We welcome you to the 2021 Eschatology Series, a series that unfolds the power of ancient prophecies. Our series is based on the book of Revelation. Eschatology is a part of critical theology concerned with the final events of past, present, and future events foretold in the Old and New Testament prophecies, particularly in Revelation. It depicts the ultimate destiny of humanity while revealing the fulfilled prophetic events of Jesus Christ. This concept is commonly referred to as the end of the world or end times. The word arises from the Greek word eschatos, meaning last, and of course, ology meaning the study of. My name is Dr. Stephen Finney, and I will be your teacher. We want to alert you to a two-volume set coming out soon. This commentary expresses the Hebrew and Greek codex of the organic scriptures stated in the book of Revelation. Verse by verse, I might add. The commentary will also include many cultural and global events revealed in the book of Revelation. Our next series is called The Mysteries of Ancient Prophecies. Our new series will be exploring the Old Testament eschatology while connecting it to events unfolding in our culture today. Again, thank you for joining us today. We hope that you are encouraged to become proactive in your studies of the book of Revelation. Let's get started. Hi, this is Don Moen, and I want to remind you as you listen to this tape that God inhabits the praises of His people. So as we praise Him, He will be in our midst to save, to heal, and to deliver. Let's worship Him together, because He's worthy. Yes, Lord. Oh, You're good to us. You're worthy of our praise. Let's just sing it to Him. We love you, we worship you, adore you, we lift up your name. Jesus, you're worthy of blessing and honor, and we give you praise. You're worthy of glory. Jesus, our healer, 
Today we're on number 57 in our series. Our message today is called The Seven Bowls of Wrath. If you're new to our study, we really encourage you to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.net. Check out the Eschatology page, and we have all of our messages there in video form that you could start from Lesson 1. Let's take a look at our scripture for today. It says in Revelation 16, verses 1 through 12, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple, saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. And it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea. And it became blood like that of a dead man. And every living thing in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you, who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judged these things, for they poured out the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord, the Almighty, true, and righteous are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues. And they did not repent so as to give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. Let's take a look at how things are heating up. Chapter 16 opens the day all mankind has feared, the pouring out of the seven vials of wrath. We just came from a scene in heaven where smoke from the glory of God filled the temple, where nothing else mattered except the announcement of the seven vials. Now we have the outpouring. This loud voice from the temple is none other than that of God the Father. Many prefer to interpret this voice as one of the angels. I do not. The voice came from the temple of heaven, God's place of rest. This order comes forth with an immovable and tremendously stirred voice of anger. While on earth the Antichrist is in full swing of blasphemy against God. Well, due to this, God's wrath is brought to the surface 
of his timeline. Seven angels stand and wait for their release to carry out the mandate of God. Sure enough, though, the order comes, Go forth and pour out the seven bowls of wrath upon the earth. The first angel starts the unfolding of these bowls. So let's take a look at the first vial, which is the malignant sores. Remember the days of Job when Satan afflicted Job with malignant sores? Even though this vial is payback for all the physical afflictions Satan thrusted upon God's people. The story of Job reveals God answering the prayers of his supplication. It's payback time, Satan. Now we will see if his people respond as righteously as Job did. The answer? Of course not. We also see the comparison of the sixth plague placed upon the Egyptians during Moses' time, which comes directly from the hand of God. It was directed against the Egyptian magicians so that they could not stand before Moses. So here the plague is sent upon those who in the beast worshipped and practiced sorcery. The comparison is obvious. As they submitted to the mark of the beast, so they must bear the mark of the avenging God. We will see many parallels between the plagues of Egypt and the seven vials. Well, by this time, these are not plagues of warning. They are acts of conclusive judgments. During Moses' time, the plagues were for warnings. But not this time. In any case, in this verse, we now see God marking the followers of the ultimate Pharaoh with malignant sores. And of course, we know who that ultimate Pharaoh is, none other than the Antichrist. Most likely, the pouring out will start in Jerusalem and then spread throughout the earth, every inch of it. If you have the mark of the beast, you will be given the sores. There will not be many of God's holy elect remaining on the earth when this happens, outside of the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews. The Greek describes these sores as evil, grievous, bad ulcers that carry an offensive odor, much like Job had during his time of being plagued by these sores inflicted by Satan. The people of the world will smell their stench of rebellion 24 hours a day. Let's take a look at our second vial, which is the sea of blood. Even though we explain one vial at a time, they will most likely be poured out in a rapid succession. The only reason we know of God putting pauses between the plagues of Moses was due to the fact that they were warnings. These are not warnings. God is simply finishing the unfinished. Again, just like in the days of Moses, instead of a river being turned to blood, an entire sea becomes blood. For this is not dyed red dirt. It is actual blood. 
It is always a mystery to me where some theologians get their ideas. If God says it's blood, then it's blood. If he were going to use the dye from dirt, he would have said so. Plus, how can every living thing in the sea die if it was mud? If God used the real deal with Moses and the Pharaoh, why would he use a symbolic red in this end time? Be assured, it's literal, and it will happen exactly the way his word states it. Having the earth's water mass turned to blood severely affects the earth and all those who eat from it. The smell of death, just from the water mass, will be enough to breed deplorable conditions. Let's take a look at our third vial, Rivers of Blood. Now God moves from the earth's water mass to pinching off the fresh water supply, the rivers and fresh springs. Now their drinking and bathing will come to an end. Not to mention the stench from the smell of spilt blood. Then the angel reports back to heaven, shouting out praises to the Holy One and giving us why God poured out this vial. He states that because they, followers of Satan, have spilt the saints and prophets' blood. God turns all water into blood as a result of it. Then the angel says something many Christians find hard to believe. The angel says they deserved it. Another angel finishes with a statement that God's actions are righteous and true. God has always had a thing about his people thirsting after him. This act of judgment will quickly show these people exactly what that means. Do you remember when Jesus was thirsty on the cross? What did the followers of the Father of Lies give him? Well, if you remember, that was vinegar. I'm fairly certain this event is the memory of God as he takes vengeance on his son's oppressors. So let's see here. How long can a human go without water? Honestly, that's a rhetorical question because another vial is about to be spilled onto the depraved minds. So let's take a look at it. The fourth vial, which is the scorching sun. This one will certainly hurt, but sad to say it won't be enough. Angel 4 pours his bowl onto the sun, causing it to intensify to the point of frying flesh. Now let's review. We have malignant sores, dehydrated bodies, and now scorched and fried flesh. Do you recall all the burning of Christians throughout history? God does. All of the vials are directly related to each of these servants' prayers, as they were being burned to death by the hand of Satan and his followers. This is something God does not take lightly, and we see the payback in this passage. Some Bible teachers hyper-spiritualize this passage. I pray that God would open their eyes. This vial is true to the word. If God had the power to make the sun, he certainly has the power to increase 
its intensity. That is something our modern-day scientists are even concerned about to this day. Mankind will be ravaged with sunstroke to the point of suffocation. What was once a part of God's creation that was for all to enjoy is now a tool of punishment from God. After the sores come endless thirst and heat stroke. One would think humanity would fall to their faces and worship God. They don't. The spirit of stubbornness is so incredibly powerful that when it comes to humanity in general, it does win in the end. But in our passage, the 144,000 remnant are not affected by this rebellion. But those who are on the earth who have been resisting God, every one of them blasphemies the name of God. That's okay. God isn't finished with them yet. Let's take a look at the fifth vial. Satan's throne is darkened. All the vials have been directed towards Satan's followers up to this point. But this one is directed at Satan's throne or that of the Antichrist. The result, his global government is darkened, sucked dry of power and satanic glory. By this point, the people are ready to start eating their flesh because they're in such a bad way. Yet they have enough spit in their mouths to blasphemy God. How can this be? God is simply making his point. When Satan brought like-minded pain on Job, he did not curse God where we find Satan's followers doing the very opposite of Job. God is proving his children's integrity, something Satan does not want to hear, let alone see. Looking at our sixth vial, God dries up the riverbed. Now you get to see the red dirt. God dries up this blood-filled river, and makes it a pathway for the kings of the east. How does he do it? Well, how did he dry up the Red Sea in the River Jordan back in Moses' time? He will most likely do it the same way, by his mighty hand. The moment God dries the riverbed, this is what happens. Revelation sixteen thirteen through 14 says this, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons, performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole earth to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Now let's look at the seventh vial, which discloses for us how God defiles the air. This is the final and most tragic. God shouts through thunder, which activates a massive earthquake, one that has never occurred to this magnitude before. An earthquake that no human can escape. 
His purpose? To split Jerusalem into three separate landmasses. We're going to talk more about those three separate landmasses in one of our up-and-coming messages. But there's a strategic reason why he separates Israel into three landmasses. Secondly, this earthquake causes cities of all nations to fall. Every trace of Babylon hidden within all cultures is erased. God finally finishes the work of payback to the Babylonian cultural, political, and religious practices throughout the earth. Interesting, though, as it is, all islands and mountains are evaporated from the earth. Now wait, there's more. Hailstones, one hundred pounds each, come down from heaven, which caused humanity to blasphemy God. Once all humanity is finished revealing their bitterness toward God, it is finished. Since all humans must die before standing before the judgment of God, after the seventh vial is poured out, all are dead. In conclusion, during the reign of the Antichrist, not all will bow and worship him, nor receive his mark. Yeah, it's true. Most of those who resist will indeed be slaughtered. But the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews will not. The reason? Because each is marked with the mark of Christ. And of course that is seven, seven, seven. The very reason Satan hunts them down like dogs, attempting to destroy them, as our scripture states, God protects them. It is because of these faithful ones remaining that Jesus comes to finish his work. Remember the story Jesus told about a shepherd leaving the 99 to save the one lost sheep? This is a clear working out of this parable. Once this small group of believers is supernaturally removed through the rapture, who are the 99 sheep, Christ goes after the lost sheep, the remnant 144,000. After that, the great battle of Armageddon will ensue. Coming up next in number 58 is The Dragon Speaks. By this point in our study, all of the world leaders have shown their full allegiance to the Antichrist. Each is allied with him in an all-out war to overpower and conquer the remnant of Israel. The remnant at this point has refused to accept the false messiah or agree to receive his mark. We're about to see the work of God. He will dry up the great river Euphrates, which would have hindered their push toward Jerusalem. And he will allow three demon spirits to go out and draw these world leaders to their armies to Jerusalem for this battle. If you want to read a little bit more about that, read 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 20 through 22. God gives a prophecy that warns us of this event. 
We thank you for joining us today. We hope that you continue to join us in our up-and-coming episodes. Until next time.